Hi, this is Jeremy Clanton from Rigid Industries. You're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. You had to have been surprised whenever Teresa Loomis launched that beautiful orange Scout 2 50 feet, uh, no, 60 feet in the air. Well, what you don't know is that was the first episode, the first scene we ever did on the show. The first, that was the first thing that happened. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what have we gotten into? You know, that, that was the open. I know that, that, that we showed that as, as the uh, episode 10, yeah. but that was the very first episode. That was the very first challenge we did was Teresa Loomis flying through the air in the scout <laughs> and smashing it and catching on fire. And me and the other hosts are running down there and the, and the people on the show are trying to tackle us and they're like, no, 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 it's on fire. Don't go down there. And I'm like, what? No. You know, put it out. It was, it, was, it was really exciting. And that was the very first thing we did, the making the show. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, this episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by LT Wright Knives. These heirloom quality pieces will outlast your adventure. So plan well, drive safely, and carry an LTWK. Find out more online at ltwrightknives.com. Hey, sorry guys, I know this isn't the show notes, but I, I just wanted to say I got an email just before showtime uh, from these bastards about Jeep parts. Oh. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> I say bastards because Andy... Uh, now has a staff. I'm talking, of course, of Ironman4x4fab.com. See if you think this is acceptable. The subject read, Yo, free shipping on all steering box braces. (gasps) (laughs) What's what's that? And where are all the numbers, Tony? Usually you guys talking numbers Heart numbers model numbers i don't know i'll yeah. talk i'll talk i'll do a strongly worded email to andy about that just for you you know i've been wanting to get uh the, this brace support system uh for the weak steering box on my xj and uh, so you guessed it i had to order one bastages free shipping is a big deal on andy's stuff because it's just so beefy uh, you might want to head over to ironman4x4fab.com and get your steering box break before this deal runs out Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you drive a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps. This show is for you. Josh, Tampy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hi. Uh, well, I'm doing a lot of talking tonight. Hi. Shut up already. <laughs> I have a Jeep Jeez, problem. What are we going to talk? <laughs> and to prove it, I'm putting Andy's kids through college buying all the stuff he makes. <laughs> Yes, yes, you most certainly are. Hey, I'm Josh. I've been customizing vehicles for over 20 years and have been a Jeep and off-road enthusiast for even longer. Hey, everyone. I'm Tammy, and I used to drive a minivan to my son's soccer games. Now I go topless to those soccer games. <gasps> but and, and, and hence the reason for the <laughs> the, the order, the, <laughs> the judge's order to stay away. <laughs> but enough about our past. Hey, Josh, what's coming up on this episode? Well, we have guest Rob Bender-Park. He's here to talk about the History Channel's Truck Night in America and working with Pete Soren. 
This Week in Jeep, we have a small tribute to the off-road racing legend, the late, great Pistol Pete Soren. Wrangler Top 5 Things to Check Out When You're Heading to an Off-Road Park. This is a list you don't want to miss. And we have a contributor segment with Tony, who's going to be doing a short interview with Teresa and Marbella, two contestants from Season 1 of Truck Night in America. Nicky G stops by. He's going to grab his stick and talk about the automatic. And we've got a whole bunch more stuff, so stick around. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to stretch those furloughed paychecks? Well, Amazon has your deals. From everyday consumables to the must-have items you just can't live without, you can get it all for less than what you pay for at the stores. And help us out all at the same time. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and press the big Amazon button there. You'll be taken to the magical land of Amazon's online shopping. While there, anything you purchase will give the show a few cents while costing you nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the big Amazon button. Well, it's a tale of two sisters, a son and one amazing family. It's not uncommon for siblings to share the family car, but it is extremely rare for two sisters to race a four-wheeled vehicle, hand-built by dad, at death-defying speeds of 100 miles per hour or more through the roughest desert in Baja, Mexico. This is exactly what Paige, then 20 years old, and Blair Soren, her 15 years old, both daughters of the famous Pistol Pete Soren, did just a few years ago this November at the 48th Annual Score International Baja 1000. The desert race may, many consider one of the toughest off-road competitions in North America. Dozens of the most purpose-built off-road va- race vehicles you've ever seen. Hundreds of teams and thousands of fans all gather for the ultimate man and machine endurance test. This mentally, physically, and mechanically challenging race covers more than 850 miles of the most unpredictable terrain filled with canyon-sized ditches, near-vertical climbs, visibility-blocking dust, and absolutely brain-scrambling heat. So, how did the girls do through all this? Well, despite there being very few women racers in the field, the famous Jesse Combs being one of their teammates, actually, and in a sport dominated by men, and being some of the youngest racers in the entire field, well, the girls did pretty well. Placing second in Class 7, which is mini pickups with a six-cylinder or smaller engine, giving the girls all the bragging rights they needed. So if you want to see the girls' journey through all of this for yourself, well, be sure to check out Red Bull's five-part docu-series called Driving Dirty, The Road to the Baja 1000. If you're wondering where all this started, well, their father, Pistol Pete Soren, owned a go-kart track in Phoenix, Arizona. The kids would go to work with him when they were young and did what you or I or the rest of us would do in that situation and spend the entire day racing around the track until they were green from exhaust fumes and couldn't stand straight. Now, I think you can do the math from there. Racing was the Sorens family's lifeblood. Pete was, of course, the patriarchal centerpiece to all of this. From the go-kart track to the heart of the racing team, Pistol Pete's Baja Racing Adventures, which was Pete's way of kind of giving back to the race fans over the years that helped cheer him on and his family, and, and of course helped fund the team as well. And of course, it was also the perfect outlet for somebody with an undying addiction to desert racing. Oftentimes, Pete was racing with sponsors who didn't cut as big of a check as some of the other more popular race team sponsors did. So, Pistol Pete was always having to do more with less, like Slime or DiscountStripper.com, sexy clothes and shoes for less. Not exactly the same as having BFG or Goodyear on the side of the rig, so in a world of snap-on tools, Soren was the king of Harbor Freight. In some tight-knit circles, it was even said that Pete had admitted several times that he really had no business competing in the sport's most expensive category from a financial standpoint, of course. 
But really, that wasn't the point. One of Pete's most famous quotes was from an interview he did with famous motorsports journalist John Zimmerman, referring to enthusiasts of off-road racing and his fans in particular. I think maybe they live vicariously through me because I'm a regular guy, just like them. I'm living the dream where everyone would like to live, though. I'm, I'm driving a trophy truck. Regular guys can relate to me. We can't all be rich and pretty. Understanding this, I think, was the backbone behind his racing adventures company, and maybe some of the continuing motivation for rocking the sport's most recognizable mullet. Well, speaking of that hair, it was honestly one of Pete's most recognizable features. Whenever asked about what other people thought of his horribly coiffed mullet, he'd just <laughs> laugh and say, they're just jealous. Trends come back every 20 years, and I'm going to be the first guy back. Trendy. It's coming back. The mullet is coming back. He would also say things like, damn the man, save the mullet. And they're just jealous because they have to spray paint their heads. But it's my trade secret. It's where I get my strength. I'm like Samson. That strength and his undeniable personality is what got him the attention of some television producers of late. Pete landed himself a gig last year on the History Channel's Truck Night in America series. Each episode featured five drivers and their customized Jeeps and trucks, and the drivers had to alter their vehicles for each round of obstacles. The last two members standing went on to compete on a three-mile course known as the Green Hell, and they all challenged with getting through a snake-infested swamp, climbing mountains of crushed cars, and flying off jumps to determine who will take home the $10,000 grand prize money and title of Truck Night Champion. Pete was one of the four expert coaches on the show, giving the mainstream audience a little glimpse of the magic that was Pistol Pete, as he guided and advised contestants on how to win. Personally, I thought Pete's company, Baja Racing Adventures, was something made of magic unto itself. He made it possible for people like you and me, who had dreams of off-road racing, to rent or even buy a custom-made Baja Light trophy truck-style race vehicle built to whatever specs you have in mind, or use one of Pete's winning designs. And you can get into the sport and compete for a lot less than you would have been able to do anywhere else. If this was around and I had known about it 20 years ago, I guarantee you my life would have been a lot different now. But I digress. Okay, now when I say winning design, I mean winning 11 trophy truck podiums in SCORE and BITD races. Trophy truck wins at the Henderson 400 and Texas 250. Pete has overseen more than 30 customer wins with Baja Racing Adventures, his company. Impressive credentials for a family man racing in Baja for over 25 years. Throughout that time, Pete developed a reputation that preceded him. Certainly, Pistol Pete's personality was one of his calling cards. Loved or hated, right or wrong, in the end, what matters is that Pistol Pete was a great mentor and a family man who passionately drove the overall dialogue of off-road racing. Along with that unforgettable hair, he used that voice to great effect, garnering him a loyal following with fans and sponsors alike. Soren was the colorful David of the sports Goliaths, but he also had the talent to back up his on-track and off-road performances just as far as his underfunded and underwhelming machinery would take him. And over the course of almost three decades of desert racing, he made quite the name for himself. But as many know, this form of off-roading is very, very dangerous. Recognizing this, his daughter, Paige, in a 2015 interview said, There's a lot of bad things that happen in these off-road races. People do lose their lives doing what they love. Sort of ironic considering recent events. Growing up, the girls watched their own father suffer several crashes throughout his career, including one in particular that put him in the hospital with a bad concussion for weeks back in the 90s. It's a crash like this in which gives us cause this week to celebrate the life of a man who made his own mark in the world and left an incredible legacy behind in the off-road industry. We were lucky to have met Pete last year as we recorded episode 337 back in June of 2018. 
Pete had just spent the day ziplining in Kauai during a well-deserved vacation after racing in the Baja 1000 the month prior. He was kind enough to take time away from his family for a little one-on-one -on -one with the Jeep Talk Show, and it ended up being one of our most downloaded episodes ever. Pete was scheduled to be on the show tonight, in fact, but tragedy has struck over this last week, and the off-road race world will never be the same. Pistol Pete Soren was killed this last weekend while attending the recent San Felipe Desert Mayhem race in San Felipe, Baja, Mexico. He was on the sand dunes behind the El Cortez Hotel, driving his youngest daughter, Farah, to her first local race qualifier along with older daughter Paige in a UTV, or side-by-side, -side, when his vehicle was struck directly on the driver's side by another UTV at high speed. The driver of the other vehicle was ejected from the UTV and was, and was pronounced dead at the scene. Soren's family, uh, Soren's daughters, Farah and Paige, were also severely injured during the accident, but both are expected to survive their injuries after what is sure to be a very lengthy recovery near their Phoenix home in Arizona. Pete Soren was just 54 years old and is survived by wife Cammie, daughters Farah and Paige, and son Van. Van has set up a GoFundMe page to help the family with the mounting medical bills and more. We'll have the link to that in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. If you have it and you need to help them out, well, go check it out. From all of us here at the Jeep Talk Show, we send our most sincere condolences to the Soren family, and they will all remain in our thoughts, hearts, and prayers. Rest in peace, Pete. Very nicely said, Josh. Uh, thank you for that. And, uh, I, I, you know, we always make jokes here. We always try to inform and entertain, but sometimes you just have to take pause and, uh, and uh, mention somebody that did a lot for a lot of people and did a lot with uh, with not a lot, as you read in this thing. Um, isn't this uh, isn't this race? And, and I apologize for not knowing the details on this, but isn't this the, the race that um, the uh, spectators will uh, put hazards and jumps and ditches and things in the way? Uh, it's actually quite dangerous for the racers. Indeed. Uh, both this race and the, uh, the famous Dakar race uh, mm -hmm. are both uh, known for spectators getting in the way, uh, altering the course, uh, things like that. I mean, these are treacherous racing conditions uh, z next to zero visibility in some in some uh, in some areas. Um, you're racing through the night. Um, and if you've ever tried to uh, you know, traverse rough terrain at high speed with only auxiliary lights, you know that it takes a great amount of skill to do that, especially on a competitive level. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many factors, including, you know, um, you know what happens when, when you have a breakdown and, and, you know, multiple pits and everything else that goes into these races. There is a lot of dangers and, and you put yourself in harm's way when you enter these sort of things. Yeah, Why would true. people do that? I mean, what why would people put obstacles and hazards in the way i don't know uh, Tammy. a lot of people like watching uh the uh the indy 500 just for the wrecks and i no, think yeah, i think it's the same still. i think it's the same type thing except they get to see the wrecks live and in person i mean yeah, it could, just could I be would, you know uh fans that are trying to make it harder for all the other teams you know and and maybe they they let their you know their favorite team in on the secret of where the uh the obstacle is that they put in in everybody else's way you know i i don't know what goes into all these things i've seen the videos on youtube just like everybody else i used to watch this stuff when i was a kid back when it was on tv uh, but you know that that aside it, it takes a great amount of skill and dedication to to do this for any length of time and to have done it for almost three decades is really is really something else it really is if you got a news tip or response to any one of our stories we'd like to hear from you 
and see what you have to say. Make sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Coming up a little bit later in the show, interview with Rob Bender-Park. He's been on the show before. He's master fabricator, builder, racer, and expert coach on History Channel's Truck Night in America. And, of course, he has something to say about Pete Soren. Hi, this is uh, Evan from Wisconsin calling. I was just listening to one of your podcasts about the Boston Jeep leasing rental Toro thing, and I was going to let you guys know, if you are leasing a Jeep, you are allowed to modify it to your heart's content as long as it's not degrading the price of the vehicle. And according to Jeep, you're encouraged to uh, buy uh, any of your lift products, big tires, and all that stuff directly through them. The only thing they ask is that it has to be put on by a certified Jeep dealership, usually in those cases. But I just wanted to throw that one out there because I've I lease vehicles all the time, and I always mod the crap out of them and then destroy them and give them back when they're total. But uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. But just saying that with that Toro thing, you are allowed to modify those vehicles. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. I think, yeah, I would have a hard time turning in uh, my Jeep with a, a crappy uh, $400 uh, Rough Country lift, much less <laughs> something for Rubicon Express or one of the higher dollar ones. <laughs> well, I know um, CPO used to lease his Jeep, but then he went, because he loved it so much, he went and, and purchased it. It's bad mojo selling a Jeep. I don't care who you are. It's, it's not a yeah. good idea. Well, you know, if you've if you've taken a, a basically a stock brand spanking new vehicle, we've talked about the Mopar accessory lines uh, that have come out early in the JK's line, in fact. Uh, ever since the release of the JL, Mopar's really upped up their game. As uh, you know, factory approved and, and won't void your warranty. And, and then a lot of it comes down to that. You can modify your lease vehicle to your heart's content and you can do it with whatever you want if you're willing to sacrifice the warranty. Um, and of course, if something goes wrong and you have to pull into a dealership in your third week of owning your Jeep because something's not working right and they discover that you've modded the heck out of it. Guess who's not getting that work done under warranty? So, you know, it, it kind of comes into that sort of aspect of things. But, yes, you have a modified vehicle that has a lot of Mopar accessories with that warranty still, uh, and it looks a lot better than the next Jeep. Guess who's going to be getting that lease, you know? So offsetting your payments and possibly even making some money in the whole deal might help offset some of those investments in some of that Mopar-approved accessories that you could do to, well, you know, kind of increase the, the worth and value of your possibly lease vehicle. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and for a good reason. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours. And tell your friends, too. We've got something for everyone at the 4x4RadioNetwork.com. How about the On the Trails podcast, or Trail Chasers is there. The Center Steer podcast is a lot of fun, too. And don't forget about Dan and the 4x4 podcast. Lots of great off-road shows, and it's all for free. And it's at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Oh, and I uh, got an announcement for you. Uh, you guys uh, may not have heard about this unless you're on social media. Nikki G is coming out with his own podcast. It's going to be called no. Nikki G Knows Best. Yay. Good for him. Hey, Josh, Tammy, and Tony. This is the FM Jeeper, or 
also known as Mark. Uh, Tony, I'm glad you got my envelope with my with the stickers. Hope you enjoy them. I know I have a couple of those on my Jeep. And, uh, yeah, it's the true grill, you know, the XJ grill. Uh, just wanted to hop in, say hi, and uh, hopefully one of these days my son will be able to actually say one of the lead-ins properly so you can understand him. Uh, that's all I have for today. Uh, and uh, automatic automatic keeps rule. So, uh, yay! There's my uh, there's my argument. Have a good one. <laughs> Maybe I'll call him next week. And I'll awesome. make I'll make sure everybody's clear. And I'm sure I'm speaking for you guys too. We love having your son uh, do shout outs to us on your oh, on yeah. your voicemails. I don't want to discourage that or discourage him at all. Have him keep uh, calling in. Maybe we just need more practice learning what he to hear what he's saying. So uh, no, even even if it's if it's a grown ass person and it's three in the morning and you've had three too many shots uh, and you sound like a three year old, uh, <laughs> by all means, absolutely call into the show. What is it? Uh, I like my jeeps like I like my women. Twenty years old and lots of problems. Oh jeez. <laughs> Well, we're doing a quick uh, little uh, get-together here tonight with uh, two former Truck Night in America Season 1 uh, alums or alumni. Uh, we've got uh, Marbella and uh, Teresa from uh, uh, their respective uh, places across the country. And, and we're here to, tonight to talk a little bit about Pistol Pete Soren. Um, now, uh, Marbella, you uh, you were uh, a contestant on Truck Night in America and you got a little time with uh, to meet Pete. And uh, what were your what, what's the most memorable thing about Pete? Was it his haircut? <laughs> uh, yeah, his mullet. Uh, yeah. The funny thing is, is on our TV show, uh, when you got your helmet, you would have a sticker on your helmet, and it would. Uh, that's where you knew if you had uh, Pistol Pete or Rob Vanderpark or Abe Wine or Glenn by their hairstyles. <laughs> or something that characterized them, and I had a mullet, picture of a mullet on my helmet. And Teresa, how about you? Uh, what was your your impression of uh, Pistol Pete? Uh, well, when I first saw him, uh, it was after I had crashed my scout on the show, and I was looking at my scout, and I remember just hearing him coming towards me and just yelling my name, Teresa, are you okay? And I, and because I was in a daze at that time, and it just was. I looked at him, I'm like, whoa. He, I mean, he just looked not real to me with his hairdo and everything. He was just kind of a <laughs> bigger than life kind of person. Yeah, and he was uh, a, a very much uh, uh, aggressive type individual, much like his uh, his driving, his uh, comp- uh, competition driving. But he also had a an amazing uh, personable side to him, uh, where he would reach out and and make himself self available to you guys. Um, yeah, that oh, yeah, he definitely, definitely did. He was on top of uh, making sure uh, if something wrong was going on with your life, that he let you know he was available if you wanted to speak to him, or or, or he was your biggest cheerleader uh, on the show and off the show. Yeah, I was very impressed uh, when I uh, when we interviewed both you guys on the show uh, prior to this that uh, you, there was much of a relationship uh, that had developed and maintained and. I really didn't think. I know that these guys aren't Joe Hollywood or anything, but I really figured that they they were uh, so inundated with uh, people and requests that they had to kind of buffer themselves from from folks. and And maybe they do. Maybe you guys were just the two chosen ones, but I don't think so. I think that that gruff exterior 
was uh, was just that an exterior that uh, he was a very friendly and uh, caring individual. Oh yeah, he definitely was. Um, I got the chance to. T- I didn't really talk to him on the show much at all. I was out pretty quick, but he afterwards uh, contacted me um, to see how I was doing. And since then, because I helped to promote the show online, mm-hmm. um, he has he spoke with me quite a bit. And he, there's times where, like two weeks ago, he said to me, he says, well, go ahead and do it the dumb way if you want. <laughs> and, and that's just how he is. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was, uh, and I said, okay, you know, just because I don't do it your way doesn't mean it's a dumb way. And then he found out, you know, it was actually doing really well and he apologized. But, I mean, he's, he's definitely tells you like it is, but no matter what, he's always there. And you know, he's, I mean, for a lot of people that have been on the show, I've heard them talk about him the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, he, at first, everybody kind of, you see him online and you hear about, you know, he's very outspoken and everything. And it's true, but he's, he is one of the, the nicest people I know. Uh, real quick, uh, if you don't mind sharing it, uh, I think you asked him for a t-shirt and what was his response? <laughs> <laughs> he told me to half off. <laughs> <laughs> he said no. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, well, some, maybe someday you'll be nice to me. And he said, probably not. And then he laughed, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, I, I, you know, it sounds like to me that he had a, a really good, fun life and, uh, it, he's going to be missed by the industry and, uh, by, uh, all of us that got to know him. Uh, you know, I got to talk to him a little bit through an interview and uh, he was great, and he, he made himself available to, to me and the show. In fact, we were supposed to have him scheduled uh, on the show today, uh, and uh, unfortunately, the uh, what happened last week uh, kept that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely it was uh, heartbreaking. It was, go ahead, Teresa. No, no uh, that's all I've got to say. I mean, it's just, it's just unreal to me. You know, it's, it's so sad. Yeah. It was a, a shocker to me when I got all, my phone was blowing up Friday night. When I was at a restaurant with family and friends, and and when I finally I had a moment to check and see, I just was stunned, and it was just like, is this a joke or or what? Because he's one of the good guys, and uh, it just happened too soon with him. I agree. Um, now I, I don't know if if you guys have any information, or if you do, if you can talk about it. So if you if you can, fine. Uh, if you can't, just say so. But have you guys heard anything from anybody on the show about what's going to happen with the uh, the new season? Uh, I, I know uh, that season's complete and getting ready to start uh, on January thirty first. And of course, uh, as far as I know, they're you know Pete's going to be in all those episodes. They're not going to. I don't think they would go to the the process of trying to remove his his scenes from the from those episodes. So you know we have a whole season of uh, uh, Pete and the uh, the other three guys uh, coming up, but. Any word about what they may be doing? Any delays in production? I mean, maybe delays in, uh, not production, but in uh, uh, the uh, the premiere episode? Or have you heard anything? Uh, I haven't heard anything. Um, and, I mean, I, I've i talked to Bender and uh, some of the people, you know, on the behind the scenes in the show, but I, there's definitely nothing that I've heard. Yeah, I haven't heard anything either. I just know that, Season three, they just posted like literally hours before um, his incident. And um, then they just kind of 
went quiet on that, and they're just now today started promoting more about the season three casting call. Uh, but that's all I know is that the show will go on, and um, I'm assuming they would do a dedication for him. I just don't know which show they'll dedicate to him, but I'm sure it'll be one that he wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, anything else that you might want to say about uh, Pete and uh, uh, any m- more remembrances or anything you'd like to say to the listeners, the family? Um, I guess I'll step up. Um, I would like to uh, – I'm just happy I got to meet Pistol Pete when I had a chance. Um, I was happy he was my coach. Uh, he actually has an exterior of a toughness to him, but really when you get to know him, he's got a soft heart. And um, actually, today, somebody tagged me on a 2015 YouTube video of a dedication from his kids on the perfect dad that he is. And it was pictures of when he was a child to present or till at least 2015 of his mullet (laughs) (laughs) and other pictures. And it just so described his personality that he is one of a kind. Get it. He's very competitive, a mean competitive guy. But he means well, and uh, but he's just a softie in the inside and a very caring person. And uh, I wish the best for his family. Um, uh, if there's anything I can do for them, I'd be happy to help. But me being in the East Coast, I probably can't do a whole lot for them. But um, just it's going to be hard to replace his spot on Truck Night in America. It won't be the same. Curious to see who that will be. But um, if there is somebody. Uh, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a, uh, a interesting season watching the premiere and the last show for season two to then see a new person for season three. It'll be sad. Uh, I have I I have to agree with that. I I don't think my personal opinion is that I hope they don't fill a spot with yeah. anybody permanent, like with a, another host. I think they should maybe have a guest host on each show. Oh, there you go. And, uh, yeah. That's, like, you that's could be a guest. Idea. I could be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, for me, he's, you know, became a good friend to me um, over the last year. And that's, it, it feels to me like I, I lost a really, really good friend. And I can only imagine what his family's going through. Um, I've, talked to some of them a little bit about it um not anything personal but um i do know that Paige is out of the hospital and i heard that farah was getting out soon if not already that i don't know for sure but i mean i i just wish his family um strength to get through this because it's i can't even imagine what it would be like so i um but yeah it's it's hard uh to deal with but He's he's he was a completely strong person, so that gives everybody else, and I'm sure his family, the strength to get through this. Well, I know uh, as a parent, uh, I would definitely want it to be me uh, taking the brunt of uh, of the the accident instead of my children. So uh, I, I know uh, Pistol Pete is is really happy uh, if somebody had to, to pass away in this accident that it was him. So. Uh, all the love and uh, great thoughts to the family and all the uh, the many. Uh, fans out there for Pistol Pete that are going to miss him, but the, the good news is is that we're going to have a whole season of Truck Night in America to uh, to enjoy him uh, one last time. I agree with that. It'll yeah, be good memories, sweet, though. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. All right, guys. Thank you a lot for being uh, being here with us tonight. And uh, uh, I I don't know if you guys would like to throw out your social media or anything where people can uh, can find you and uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, share some of the uh, remembrances they have of uh, Pistol Pete with you. Uh, Marbella, how about you? What what social media are you on? Uh, you can find me on Bella Jeep Girl for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or Marbella Maria on Facebook as well. Uh, would love to hear from everybody their stories about Pistol Pete or Pistola. Even the <laughs> Spanish people had a name for him. Uh, it would be awesome to see what kind of uh, friendship you had or, or competition you had against him and, uh, and how you got to know him. Yeah. Teresa, how about you? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook. My name is Teresa Loomis. And I'm also, I also have the Truck Night in America, an official page, which is a good, definitely a good place to post uh, about Pete and, and uh, you know, find out about the show as well, what will be going on. And on um, uh, Instagram, I am Mudbog Batgirl. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great night. Thank you for being Thank with you. us. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. Tony and Josh, I have scheduled my first ever trail event that I'm hosting at Roush Creek, and it's for the Carolina Trails off-road folks, and if anyone else wants to join us as well. And... We're going to be wheeling in June. If you go to Carolina Trails Off-Road on Facebook page, you can see all the event details. Um, and so a lot of these guys and gals um, are going to be coming to Roush Creek for the first time. And um, I know everything there is to know about Roush Creek. And so you kind of forget, kind of like you guys know everything about Jeeps, and you kind of forget about the, the beginner stuff. Um, and Nikki G commented on the posting on Facebook and he asked, what is green and blue? What does that all mean? So I thought tonight I would do two different things. I was going to do where you can wheel and the different trail levels. And I'm just going to pick four places where you can wheel around the country, places I've been and one place I want to go. And I want to encourage you to call in or to email us about where you wheel. But the other thing I wanted to point out, because a lot of these folks are going to be coming to Roush Creek for the first time, and what I wanted to share is my top five things you need to check before you head to a new off-road park. It's time for another Jeep Mama Top 5. Number 5. Do they have air at the park? Because when we off-road, we air down, right? But you'll need to air back up. And if you don't have air in your vehicle, onboard air or a portable air compressor, you're going to need to air back up because you really don't want to be driving around with your, your tires aired down. So check if they have air at the park. Number four. So you're going to want to check when the park is open, their hours and which days. Because some off-road parks are only open on the weekends and there are special hours. And especially special hours in the wintertime because of the sun setting. Some parks may not allow night wheeling. So you're going to want to check when the park is open and their hours. Number three. 
the fees. The fees are important because you don't want to go there without having cash if you need cash or your credit card. Some of these off-road parks require memberships and their day fees and passenger fees. Some require you to get a permit and there are special places where you can get these permits. And, you know, maybe some of them are free. I haven't found those free ones yet, but that's another thing you're going to have to check out, the fees. Number two. Vehicle requirements. This is really important because I've read, and I don't remember where the park was, but your vehicle might need to be at a certain lift. It might have to have certain tires. You might need a winch. You might, it might, the park might only be for ATVs and dirt bikes. It just all depends. So you're going to want to look to find out what the vehicle requirements are for that park. Number one. Trail levels. Trail levels are important because you don't want to be getting out on, you don't want to get out on a trail that is beyond the capability of your driving abilities and your vehicles. And the parks that I'm going to be mentioning, they all have different trails and some parks have them numbered in numbers and some of them are color coded. So you're going to want to do that. And you're also going to want to check to see if they have maps because that will help you steer away from the trails that you don't want to be at. So those were my top five things to check out before you head to a new off-road park. Now, I wanted to feature a couple of off-road parks tonight and ask you, because I haven't been to very many outside of my area, but I would love for us to gather like a whole um, encyclopedia of all the parks that are out there. So if you've been to a park, call in or go to our Jeep Talk Show contact page and share with us just a little bit of information to give us some flavor of what the park is. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Roush Creek Off-Road Park. Um, this park consists of 3,000 acres of easy, intermediate, and difficult trails featuring rocks, bowls, and hills. The trail network consists of existing forest roads, and the trails are cut open by the hand by hand with the help of the several four-wheel drive clubs up in the area. The trails are marked with signs and maps are provided. The trails are rated green for easy, blue for intermediate. There's now purple trails, which is in between blue and black, which are hard. And then they have red trails, which are extreme. Of course. And sev- yeah, of course. <laughs> Several of the trails have many bypasses, so groups of different levels can run the trails together. And if you like mud, on their west property, they have several green-blue trails that are very muddy. Then just about 30 miles north of there is AOAA, which is Anthracite Off-Road Adventure Area. And it's the western middle coal field in the eastern Pennsylvania area. This park is 65,000 acres of outdoor recreation that consists of motorized and non-motorized trails. And whether... You can use your youth size machines, ATVs, UTVs, dirt bikes, and the full size 4x4 vehicles. And then we have Uari. I've been to Uari once. I'm going back there again in a couple months. This park features eight trails that's going to challenge any level of driver or vehicle. And their trail systems range from easy to difficult, and they feature a wide variety of terrain. 
which is mostly made up of the red clay soil and is spattered with various outcroppings of exposed rocks and boulders. There are a good number of hill climbs and enough mud sloshed to keep you on your toes. And the highlights of the park are the Dickie Bell Trail. It's the longest and the most widely buried trail. It has a, it's a Jeep Badge of Honor trail. Um, it's a trail total of three miles. And then there's the Daniel Trail. And this is the hardest trail. And I did this, and it's pretty intense going into the trail. And then it has some intense switchbacks and steep hill climbs. And you can see the valley as you're doing that. And it's pretty, pretty intense if you're afraid of heights. And then there's some mud holes near the Art Lily Campground. And this trail offers something, these trails offer something for everyone at every experience level. However, and this is one thing you're going to want to check out with all the parks. When it rains, these trails get really nasty. And the easy green trails are not green trails anymore. And this is the same at AOAA and Roush Creek as well. And then we have Windrock, which I'm hoping to go to this spring. It's a park in Oliver, Tennessee. It's 73,000 acres. You need to go to their website and look at the maps. It's amazing. You could be there for weeks. 73,000 acres of off-road excitement. And again, this has all sorts of vehicles from ATVs, dirt bikes, jeeps buggies trucks and this is the largest privately owned riding area in the country and it offers so much more than trail riding it's camping and hiking and they have events and it's 300 miles of trails and they have green blue and black and right now 314.4 miles of trails are open in the area all the trails are marked and some of the trails are just for the atv and dirt bikes but there's so many trails there for all types of vehicles. Now, what I wanted to explain is the trail levels. Easy, moderate, difficult, and most difficult are generally your basic um, ratings. And the easy trails are kind of like graveled roads, hard-packed clay trails, and they may have a few small challenges. Then the moderate trails are like another step up, and they can include mud and rocks and mountainous terrain and some moderate rocks or tree stumps type of trails. And then you have the difficult trails, which are going to include tough hill climbs, off-camber situations, larger rocks, mud. And typically, these trails should only be attempted by experienced drivers. Then you have the most difficult trails. And these are like your red trails. And they're generally very, very large rocks, deep ruts, very steep hills. Um, and these trails are, you're going to want to have a very capable vehicle of lift, good tires, all that stuff, lockers, all that stuff. So that gives you kind of a basic idea before you head out to the off-road parks, what you can expect. Do you have an off-road park you wheel at? We would love to hear about it. Head over to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and leave us a voicemail or send us an email and share with us where you wheel at. Tell us a little bit about the park so we can let everyone know that there's so much out there and maybe there's something in your neck of the woods that you didn't know about, but somebody else can share it with us. 
So once we get those coming in, we'll share them in the next episode of Wrangler Talk. So, Tammy, I haven't had the uh, the the opportunity to go to some of these larger parks that have the the trails uh, with colors and uh, requirements of certain things. Do any of those trails ever uh, have an indication about whether you should use a standard or automatic transmission? Yes, actually, Tony, <laughs> they do. <laughs> I'm calling BS right now. I, <laughs> I don't think so. If you haven't but, heard, I mean, uh, if you haven't heard some uh, some prior uh, recent episodes, we had a, a long discussion about uh, standard and automatics, and I'm of course being a smartass. <laughs> so, Tammy, I got <laughs> I got a seri- I got a serious question for you in regards to this uh, this badge of honor uh, thing. I, I know you had some difficulties with it a year or two ago, and there was some yeah. uh, issues about getting stuff shipped out on time and then you weren't getting the right stuff. You're getting duplicates and, and all that sort of stuff. And it sounds like uh, things kind of got, uh, all the wrinkles kind of got ironed out. I think they got some new management over there, but because the, the website looks a lot different yes. and everything too. My big question is, is the, in the instructions say you got to download an app and you got to check in and everything like that. But how does this work when you're in the middle of the wilderness at an off-road park where you are tens, if not hundreds of miles away from cell phone service. How's that supposed to work when you're checking in on a trail that you don't have service in and you're supposed to be proving that you're out there doing this? I don't know. For, to me, it seems like this is a, a lot to do about nothing. It's going to be a big problem right. for a lot of people if they're trying to trying to do this in their off-road park and they may not have cell service out there. Well, so I'll explain it, for example, when I was in Moab. and um, KL, my trail guide, was explaining to me, there's a lot of places in Moab where you do not have cell service, and it's a badge of honor trail. So think of the words, badge of honor. So it's an honor system. So when I was at my hotel, when you get back to cell service, that's where you, so when you're near the, the trail, you can check in, but there's nothing to, to, verify that you really did the trail it's the best oh, now i had it in my head they have like this team of experts that yeah. are watching this gps map and there's right. okay you know there's a ping all right you know we'll verify that esn number okay that 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 person has been verified that they're at this location we'll go ahead and send that off to them uh, i guess that's not how it works so. no and really they want you to in the in the app they want you to post pictures of your jeep on that trail mm-hmm. you know and and it's really a badge of honor. So when I was at my hotel room in Moab, I could have technically checked into every single trail there and got the badges. Yeah, but for me, I I wouldn't have felt right about that. So yeah, nor nor would it, anybody, I think. But right. oh, I don't think that's true at all. I think there's some out there that <laughs> except for well, maybe Tony. I don't think no, I, no, I think I'm there sure are some out there that abuse. Apple yeah. Or two. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, f- I find that really interesting. And uh, honestly, the reason why they want you to, to do these stickers is so that you'll people will see them on your Jeep. <laughs> I mean, come right. on. <laughs> That's the real reason. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's fun to collect them. And, of you know, course. everybody's different. People are going to cheat. We have cheaters all over the world in every type of situation. And, you know, I know I got the, the badges. I have pictures of me on the trails. I have videos of me on the trails um so now but didn't, it, it, you, didn't you report that you actually received a badge for a trail you never went on oh no i got the hell's revenge badge like three or four times oh okay it's something similar because yeah. you weren't on it three yeah. or four times 
And, and you burned those, uh, correct? No, actually, <laughs> I sent one to the company that I rented the Jeep from. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because that Jeep is actually, and that's the Jeep that went on the trail. One of them I sent to a Jeep mom who had just, it's one of the moms who I inspired to go out to Moab by herself. And I knew she went on the trail, so I sent her the badge. And that Jeep rental company out in Moab gets this random envelope <laughs> one day yeah. with something in it. And they're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> see, see, I think they ought to be a little more draconian in their requirements. And I think that if you're not in your Jeep, you shouldn't be able to get the badge. I've, I've, you know I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, Tammy. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> you, you I, to, I earned it. You need to have your vehicle's uh, grease DNA sample yes. on file. Exactly. And, a, exactly. and a soil sample uh, sent in at the same time. You know. <laughs> I think a, a Jeep uh, forensics program uh, stat. Right. <laughs> exactly. And you have to have GPS coordinates of showing where your Jeep was at the time. So, but it's, it's all just an honor system. So it's a pretty cool app. Go over to um, YouTube and search Jeep Mama, Jeep Badge of Honor, and I have a video on how you can, it's really easy to download it and I have instructions on how to do it. And coming up later in the show, folks, stay tuned because Nikki G's going to be calling in again. Got to have the the Nikki G look for that every week. Every so often, we like to get into some reviews and uh, some uh, customer feedback. I was going to say listener feedback uh, from you guys out there. And a lot of it's really, really good. And in fact, over this last couple few weeks, we've been getting uh, some international attention. Now, the Jeep Talk Show and even going way back to the XJ Talk Show days, uh, we have long since had international listeners, fans from all over the world. Uh, but uh, really, it's been the last couple of years that things have been blowing up. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've get, been getting shout outs and emails and, uh, and attaboys and everything else. Bunch of interaction from uh, listeners out in the UK and even in Australia. Big following down in Australia, I guess. So for all of our fans across the pond and down under, big fat Jeep wave to all y'all. Hey, Tony, Tammy, and Josh. Hey, it's uh, Robbie from West Virginia. So I'm looking for that address for the Jeep Talk Show stickers. Uh, so they get it. I get these envelopes in the mail next uh, business day. I'm on the phone. Anyway, <laughs> as you can tell, like, kids everywhere. Talk to you all later. Bye. So what Robbie's talking about is is that uh, uh, if you haven't heard already, we're giving away stickers. All you have to do is send us a self-addressed stamped envelope, S-A-S-E, to find out where to send. Uh, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Uh, You'll see how to contact us there. We'll respond with the mailing address, where to send your SASE. And for a limited time, uh, you can be a JTS ambassador. You'll get more stickers and more JTS cards. Now you can leave a sticker or a card under the windshield wiper of that badass Jeep you always see at Walmart. Just write ambassador on the envelope. You know, I keep thinking about Toyotas and Priuses, but we really shouldn't encourage people to to piss people off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Robbie, uh, once again, just head over to our website, jeeptalkshow.com. Look at the contact page there, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You can type that in into your uh, address bar or whatever. You're going to see a way to uh, send us a message. Uh, and we'll send you uh, another message back on how on, on the address. We don't just put, you know, information out there like addresses and stuff uh, for everybody to 
to see and have and use and abuse and stuff like that. So we want to make sure uh, that you're a real person, not a robot, and we make you jump through a couple of extra steps. But that's really all there is to it. Uh, head over to the site, uh, send us an email through there. We'll send you the address. You send us the SASE, and uh, well, and sometime in the future, you will get your lovely Jeep Talk Show stickers. And if there's any requests for topless pictures, you have contacted the wrong group. Uh, yeah, we don't want to see Tony or Josh topless. <laughs> this is the Jeep Talk Show. Resistance is futile. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a tank big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, guys and girls, we have a, a very special guest tonight, one that uh, Teresa Loomis actually uh, worked out for us today. This is the, the, the final hour and the 12th hour, I think they say, because uh, our, our regular guest uh, canceled on us today. Uh, but uh, Pete Soren, you know him as Pistol Pete Soren, uh, agreed to join us. And my God, uh, Pete, you're actually in Hawaii and you made time to be on this little dinky podcast. Thank you for being with us. Hey, I'm honored to be on uh, the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, I've been waiting for you guys to call me, and and you never have. I'm a little I'm a little butt hurt, but I'm out here in Hawaii with my family and uh, enjoying the sunshine and waves. But uh, taking a little break here to be on your Jeep show. Now, Pete, with everything that you've done and uh, all the things that you continue to do, uh, winning on Baja and etc., the most important question I can ask you is, where did you get the name, uh, the nickname Pistol Pete? Oh, that's a that's kind of a short story. I was. Uh, uh, I started racing with my buddy Cameron, and uh, and he knew about my past. And uh, uh, when I was in the adult film industry, I was known as a six shooter. But uh, when 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 we got to desert racing, that didn't fit on the visor of the truck, so he, he shortened it to pistol for me. So that's where the pistol Pete Soren came from. <laughs> so I hear that's a real uh, a real treadmill that you have to uh, get on there. Uh, did you have your own personal fluffer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't need one. I didn't need one. <laughs> so, Pete, for some people who may not have heard of Pistol Pete, what what are you, you know, famous for? What you know? What? <laughs> Why are you here, Pete? I'm really, yeah, I'm really. I would say I'm. I would say I'm not famous, but uh, I've been. Uh, I'm in a small pond called the off road desert racing world, and I race trophy trucks, which is the top of the heap uh of race vehicles in desert racing for about 10 years and i uh is it, it's a super expensive sport and i was the super low budget guy so i, I and i went really fast and like to smash the rich kids and <laughs> i was kind of popular with the regular people or or 98 percent of the off-road crowd is blue collar so right I kind of, that's where I'm from and that's where people know me from. 
racing trophy well, trucks in the desert. Well, I would have to disagree with you about being famous because I just Googled your name and you are Pistol Pete Soren's celebrity in TV Guy. <laughs> so. I'm also known for someone that has a hard time biting his tongue. So uh, <laughs> uh, people tend to remember me and uh, maybe some of there's a couple people that don't like me, but not... Uh, not very many people that actually met me don't like me. Well, as many of you know, last week we had announced that uh, Pistol Pete uh, Soren was going to be with us uh, this week, and uh, we were going to talk to uh, Pistol Pete about uh, all the fun things that he does and also uh, what happens, uh, uh, well, not maybe not what happens in Season 2. We would probably ask him uh, what happens in Season 2 of Truck Night in America, but I doubt he would tell us. Uh, but you never knew, what, would never know with Pete, but unfortunately uh, Pete had an accident and is unable to be with us tonight. Uh, as I'm sure you guys have heard, and uh, but Rob uh, Bender Park is with us again. Uh, Rob, thanks a lot for being with us, and uh, I'll just say here real quickly, uh, if you don't know, Rob Bender Park is internationally known as a master fabricator, builder, uh, and racer. He's been building rigs and complete, competing professionally for almost 40 years. Bender uh, began racing at the age of five, and since that time has completed almost all forms of motorsports. Uh, and uh, I think you're, uh, you actually took some time out for, uh, for us. Uh, uh, you're getting ready for King of the Hammers. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's crunch time. We've only got a couple weeks until, uh, until another King of the Hammers. <laughs> now, are you actually involved in the bu- building of that city, or you just take your stuff out there for racing? <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, not exactly. Um, the, the club, the Tin Benders, uh, that started you know, my garage years ago, mm-hmm. um, Dave Cole, the owner of um, Hammer King is a is a tin bender. Um, uh, camo um, Eric Linker is a he's in charge of everything kind of inside the fence. He's also a tin bender. Uh, Rock shoes in charge of marketing and there are the all the t shirt sales and other things. She's a was the first female tin bender. I I'm going off on a club tangent here, but loosely yes, but uh, physically no. I'm going to drop my motorhome off this weekend. They're going to build the whole town around it, and then I'm going to come in and try to try to finish finish a race it's been a couple of years now since we've been able to complete one but uh yeah, well i know i know the last time we we spoke you gave us a little bit of history about how all that stuff got started and it just has to be surreal taking your 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 stuff i want to say junk but i want to insult you taking your stuff <laughs> out there and then being surrounded by hordes of people i know i can't even racers imagine. and 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 fans and just in the middle of nowhere and it all began because of you and and those people that you just mentioned so that that's got to be well, just an amazing feeling yeah i don't know if it's it's directly me it was it was just a bunch of goofballs out in the <laughs> middle of the <laughs> desert you hey, know? that's <laughs> what we're doing here <laughs> <laughs> now dave cole gets all the credit in the world he you know he took the bull by the horns it's something i a chance i honestly would have never have taken and uh you know, he, he believed in it strongly enough. And, and now lo and behold, it's a, the largest software race in the world. So hats off to Dave Cole for sure. Absolutely. Now uh, let's get, go ahead and, and do the, the unpleasant stuff. Uh, although I think, uh, remembering somebody is, is pleasant. It just can be a little sad. Now, uh, we were, I was just talking about, uh, Pete and his accident. 
Um, unfortunately, uh, it, Pete uh, passed away in that accident, and uh, I, I, we hate it. And I know he, lots of his fans and people are just shocked and surprised because he he went way too soon. Now, as far as Truck Night in America uh, goes, um, the the season season two that's coming up uh, starting on I believe January thirty first. That season, season two, has been completed, so uh, we'll be seeing Pete in all those episodes. Every single episode. In fact, we just finished up. Pete and I both finished up our last uh, spot in the studio doing some work just just a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, season two is complete, and uh, you know it's going to be a bittersweet, but we're going to see Pete all season well I, I like to think of it and uh, uh, uh teresa loomis and uh, marla bellis mentioned this as well uh, it'll be bittersweet because pete's gone but we get to enjoy him for uh months to come by watching him on on the television and truck night in america yeah and, and it was, he's definitely a character so <laughs> he, he added a lot of flavor i don't know how we're gonna possibly backfill that position um truck night will go on it shows been a huge success and uh but it's going to be weird you know we yeah we, we went back to steam film season two and it's the getting the band back together again and we all you know high five and hug and looking forward to the competition and the camaraderie and the, the crap talking back and forth but uh it's, it's what it is you got some pretty fierce competitors so well if, if i can make a, make a suggestion and i know, I know you have uh, the producers and the people's ears over at truck not in america Perhaps season three can start off uh, episode one of season three because I'm sure you're going to have a season three, and uh, you, all the all the the hosts can be wearing a uh, a wig that's a a mullet, and that you guys can <laughs> do a kind of a tip of the hat to Steve. I'm sorry, not Steve and, to Pete. <laughs> absolutely, I already have that mullet wig that I was wearing at the shop when I was when I was out of the competition, just in the background off camera, just to try to get under Pete's skin and. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> That's Once great. we get off That's the radio, funny. I'll send you that picture. You're gonna you're gonna love that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so when you first heard of the accident, I mean, were was it? I'm sure it was a huge shock. What was going through your oh, mind? Absolutely, absolutely floored. Um, honestly, my my first my first thought was that son of a bitch is playing a joke on me. <laughs> I did um, too. <laughs> yeah, because. Uh, you know, um, our relationship was really, uh, really an odd one. We, and and I, I say this, it, it sounds kind of odd, but Grumpy Old Men, the movie Grumpy Old Men was, was Pete and I to a T. We were constantly bickering and fighting and giving each other a hard time. And, and, uh, but through it all, you know, we'd hug and high five and congratulate each other and, and we'd exchange pictures every morning in the, in the trailer before we'd go on set and, you know, and dinner and, and things. But, uh, you know, to, it, it was just a, something that i think pete would do just to get a uh, a rise out of me hey you know <laughs> patrick tell tell him that i'm you know had an accident and and, he, and uh, it wasn't that uh they didn't say it passed away but it, he was in an accident and even that it, it just floored me and then when when uh they told me that he uh had passed away then it um it just got eerily quiet it was a really a hard hard pill to swallow i i can't even imagine and, you know, you talk about, you know, you, you guys were like the grumpy old men, but I think sometimes that's the way men are. They like to give each other shit, but they still <laughs> you know, have this band of brotherhood with each other. Absolutely. You know, I, 
an example here. It, it wasn't um, totally malicious, but you know, the very first day you have signs where you're supposed to park your car when you show up. And I put his parking sign on the on the crappers, the portable <laughs> toilets, <laughs> or you know, That's just great. stuff like that. Or, or we're in the shop. You'll see that shop time when we're in there, and you, you really do have an hour to work on these rigs and try to get these rigs. Uh, it's a real tight schedule, and people, you really have an hour in the shop. It's really an hour in the shop, so you're sweating, and you're. It's in the middle of summer, so it's hot. It's in Georgia. It's crazy, and each stall has an air conditioner. So, of course, me being me, I accidentally shut his air conditioner off to his <laughs> his, his, his stall. So at the end of the hour, they're just rolling sweat, going, "What in the hell is going on?" And you know, I've got the air conditioner controller in my hand, and I wink at him, and you son of a bitch. And he would just, uh-huh. it's, it's those kind of things that were just never ending. Right. <laughs> That's did hilarious. He, did he ever pay you back for those? Oh, oh yeah. Of course. Endlessly. <laughs> Endlessly. I can't believe you asked that. Of course uh-huh. he did. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, you know, your waiters or your, your reindeer, because we'd have these flash, you know, you'd, you'd come in the trailer and you have rain slickers on or, uh, and then you'd go to go back out into in the set and to find your your reindeer all thrown out in the mud and it was it's, it's not gonna hurt me but right son of a bitch you know it's it's just those little little things that messing with each right. other's coffee in the morning to to eating eating all the licorice to what, whatever your little just any and everything it was yeah uh, it's just like brothers I, I'm, this, I'm gonna this miss exactly that. what it yeah. is i'm gonna miss that a lot yeah well um uh, you know, and I bet you he is too. Um, it sounds like you guys had a great time, and, and it, it's exactly what you're saying, Tammy. It's a male bonding type thing. So mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it gets it goes overboard, and somebody gets shot, but most of the time it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we got our feelings hurt a couple times. Where all right, now now you're taking it a little too far, and you know we we we'd back up a step, or maybe get a little mad and yell, and then it'd all be over, and we'd squish it, and we'd go on, and you know, it's, it was the thing about truck night and uh, when you talk to some of the other contestants and, and some of the other hosts, it's, it's really a, a sense of family and oh, uh, yes. So everybody got over things really quickly. It's, it's kind of a, that's what attracted me to even come back for season two was the, was that sense of family camaraderie that, that you get when truck night and, and uh, everybody who's ever been on the show or been a part of the show has, has felt it and, and, everybody would love to come back there hasn't been anybody that would that would not just kill to come back on set yeah i was really surprised uh, you know speaking with uh, Teresa and marbella uh, in the past um that uh, the 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 sense of family and camaraderie were were there and you guys keep it in contact after the show it just it just didn't mesh with what i how i thought tv worked uh you know i, I figured it was uh, you get used and then you're you know you're done you, we we got all we need from you so go away and uh that's not not how it's been at all so it gives a good extra dimension for me when i'm watching truck night in america that i'm, I'm looking at something that people enjoy doing enjoyed being there and and, and doing that and, and speaking of truck night in america uh and i don't know how much of this you can speak about but it looks like you guys have changed a few things up with the uh, the challenges Yes, they're, uh, you know, we, we were listening. You, we, I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the, the, the right way to put it. I caught a lot of shit for, uh, for, you know, I can't believe you'd put yourself out there like that. Uh, you know, this is, uh, some people thought it was hokey. 
um, some people thought it was scripted. You, you can't script that competition. Yeah. And some of the editing, honestly, from, um, you know, you got Hollywood guys trying, trying to do off road. So it, it was kind of quirky. And we, we as hosts caught a lot of crap because it, it, it did. It looked like we were some cheerleaders. Oh my, oh me, you know, <laughs> yay. And, oh, they jumped and here's the, you know, so they, they, they kind of portrayed us as some, uh, lack of a better word, just some cheerleaders and we're seeing goofy things and just over exaggerating everything. And it was just, it was editing. So in right. season two, the editing is, is huge. Um, they tell way more story between the, the, the connection that we have with our contestants and, uh, um, the backstory of those contestants and the, the shop time. So there, it's way more in depth and it's way more of a, a wheelers, uh, an off-roaders show and not so much of a, um, I'll, like I'll, I'll just say reality it. TV. I'll, yeah. I'll just know? say exactly. it, the, the yeah. reality TV bullshit, uh, formula. Exactly. That's great. I am excited to hear about this. I mean, it's always fun seeing, uh, people in, uh, Four wheel drives going over obstacles, but hearing that it's going to be more of a wheeler uh, episodes that are coming up—that's exciting to me because yeah. it, it, you're right. It's kind of like, ah, okay, well, that was kind of cool, and you know, the balancing thing and the the thing that drops hay on you. Okay, that's fine. But I think I saw somewhere, and I forget where it was. <laughs> probably Facebook. There's a, a like a waterfall cliff um, that people have to yeah. climb up. No. It's a newer obstacle. I can't say a whole lot, but, oh, okay. but you know, I'm not spelling it out. But uh, even though I would go on, I would go online and I would, um, I don't say argue, but I would debate with people and I would, I would rattle some trees, <laughs> some, some trees and I'd see what falls out and I'd try to get some, actually harvest some information on what people would like to see in the show. Um, and a lot of them, you know, say rocks. Oh, you got to have rocks. You got to have rocks. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm a rock crawler and rocks are, man, I'm going to catch crap for it, but kind of boring to watch. <laughs> so, right. So what you want to see is you want to see articulation. You want to see, you know, you want to see some body panels dragging on a rock and you want to mm-hmm. see a rig twisted up and, and steering bound in and, and, and to, to actually show a, you know, a rig with an open differential is just going to suck compared to somebody who's fully locked or full hydro steering or, um, you know, 228 to one gear ratio or, um, so, you know, the, the idea and that kind of drew it up as a, a, a man-made rock crawling course. It's a big gully and then two big waterfalls and the, the first waterfalls at 65 degrees and it's 20 feet tall. And the second one's at 70 degrees and it's, it's 20 feet tall. And this whole thing is from the very beginning of the course to the top of the course is about 70 feet in elevation. And it is water running down it, and it's all shotgunite. Uh, we had just absolutely couldn't say enough. Rich Klein, uh, Little Rich, if anybody's rock crawled within the last you know, two decades, they'd know who Rich is. It started as Cal Rocks, and then Little Rich went on to do, he's done courses, set up courses, man-made courses all over the world, does Trail Hero now. Um, just a, Rich came on, and he was our, our set builder. He was our course designer. So uh, we were able to hire one of the best guys out there to 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 make these ideas reality, and uh, I, I just can't say enough about Little Rich. Amazing, amazing. I was really stunned when I saw that one image, and I think it was a Jeep that I saw that was uh, climbing up that thing, and I certainly <laughs> saw the water coming off of there, and I went, oh, you poor son of a bitch. 
<laughs> that um, would be a tough thing to, to cl- climb up, especially on your daily driver. <laughs> yeah. So, um, without saying too much, you're going to want to watch the very, very first episode next Thursday. Um, cause that image is, uh, that's going to be our, that's going to be our show is that one you just talked about will be the first episode. Ah, uh, good teaser. That's an excellent oh, I, teaser. I think I just found it right <laughs> here. Oh, did you find it? Yeah, because I think I saw it on Facebook is where I saw it. And I was like, oh, they've changed some things. Because that's, that's a lot more difficult than some of the other things I saw. So are we going to see a lot of uh, different changes or will we see some of the old uh, challenges that, uh, that were there? We're going to see some of the old challenges. Uh, we're not going to see toilet tossing. Oh, good. Even though, you know, there was a little, there was a little more strategy to to toss in a toilet than people would think. You still have to, you know, be able to pull uh, vehicles, pulling power and then timing the release. But it was, let's be honest, it it was was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it was cheesy. (laughs) Yeah, you're just, you're tossing a toilet. No. So the, the, the silo pull down will still be there. That's just a straight up tug of war. And, you know, that everything from uh, tire compounds to, locking differentials and gear ratios and weight and power and, and uh, suspension design, even, you know, wheel hop and other things. So there's a lot that goes into that silo pull down. Um, so there's several challenges that will be the same. Um, and there's some really, there's some new ones. There's some of them are goofy, but uh, yeah, I, I would really love to tell you the whole thing, but you're going to be surprised. <laughs> well, the, the great news, really the great news is we don't have to wait very long to find out because it's just right. just next week, uh, week. and, and yeah. yeah, when uh, a little less than one week at the time of the uh, of this show. So uh, that that's that's great. So let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. As long as you're uh, you didn't have anything else to add there for the truck night, but I wanted to ask you some stuff about King of the Hammers. Absolutely. So, uh, th- this is getting ready to go. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you haven't uh, been out there as a competitor for the last couple of years. What's changed? Did you, uh, did some p- people giving you some crap about not driving? I mean, uh, what, what, what got you back out there on the, uh, on the, uh, the well, challenges? I've been, I've, I've raced every single King of the Hammers, um, except for the very, very first one, whether it's it, as a, as a co-driver or a, a driver, driver of record actually filmed the promo video before King of the Hammers was King of the Hammers. It was just a bunch of us goofballs went out there and, and no helmets. And we were racing up and down the trail with some couple guys with video cameras and just to try to sell the idea of King of the Hammers. And then the first, very first official King of the Hammers, I did not race. Um, but I built that uh, Jared Reynolds, the guy who won it, King of the Hammers. I built his rig, this really beautiful Bronco. Um, so Every year I've done it. A couple of years ago, we broke our backs. Brent Gigaber is who I co-drive with. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, we broke our back. We hit a big, big rock and kind of dead stop. But I've, I've been out there every single year. Last year, co-driving the first desert section. And when we got back, I was to take the car and do the next two laps through the rocks. And uh, that didn't work out. I had a stomach flu and I was ended up just puking in the car the first uh, 50 miles of the race repeatedly so i i was forced to get out of the car and and we didn't finish so you get out of the car yeah yeah <laughs> that's I, a lot of, I, 50 I, miles that's a lot of puke rob it, yeah it was it was yeah and you've got a lot of you know you got your race gear on and your head socks and all your you know oh geez yeah yeah it's not a pretty sight so you know it, rob mccacron's always been a hero of mine he's been a hero of a lot of people and it was kind of funny i get out of the car and i'm on my hands and knees and i'm still 
taking care of business. I'm puking on this, you know, <laughs> on the pit box there. And Rob McEachern's kind of the, he's patting me on the back. He goes, oh, it's, we've, we've always, you know, we've all been there. We've all been there. He was, it was kind of like him holding my hair back while puking, <laughs> even though I don't have hair. But I was thinking to myself as I'm puking there on my hands and knees, Rob McEachern's actually like patting me on the back going, it's all right, buddy. You got this. I just, I had to giggle as I'm, yeah. <laughs> this year we've got all new motor all new differentials and transmission we've been just like everybody else day and night trying to get this thing going so we we have some big expectations this year and and uh hopefully we can get a finish it's been a it's been a few years since we have finished but uh you but, know, it's king of the hammers but, but that's part of the excitement for for everybody that's watching and i'm sure the the, the people driving as well uh, not only uh, will you win, but can you finish? Because uh, finishing uh, is an indication of uh, quality driving and uh, quality construction. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain to people how I've desert raced and I've rally raced, and but in and when you're rock crawling, you you know as well as anybody the the mental game of knowing where that line is in every single rock and where your diffs are and all that. But but do that at a ten times the pace and do it for seven eight nine ten twelve hours straight it is absolutely brutal and and you you have these I mean, levi shirley and shannon campbell's and, and lauren healy's and nation cheer you have all these guys that are just excel at this and they all you it is absolutely brutal and that is an understatement i, can, I couldn't even imagine is it disappointing that you can't finish i mean i'm sure no. it is but yeah there's a lot there's a lot that goes into that and again, it's a it's a lot of pride, you know. It's uh, it's a uh, you know you gotta go out there and spend all year trying to trying to prepare yourself for this and get all your stuff going. And it's always some some goofy thing that takes you a fuel line or a you know bottle axle or differential or something. But we race in the unlimited class. We race in a forty four hundred class. So it's a it's a brutal, fast paced. You know, you're you're in the unlimited class, so you you go fast until you don't. So, the the finish rate is not real. <laughs> the attrition rate is is really high, but it's because it because of that that the reward is so big if you can finish. It's uh, right, not not to win, but just to finish. It's 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 huge, it's like running a marathon. I don't know. It sounds like a lot, lot, lot of trouble, Rob. I think I'll just stay home and uh, slam my head in the refrigerator <laughs> repeatedly. Right. Let's <laughs> see how long I can last. <laughs> That's what I do every year. I say I'm never going to do it again. I am so over this. I'm done. It's, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out. It sounds like a lot of fun. With the other 80,000 people. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It, yeah. I mean, just but, yeah. but actually doing it, it uh, and accomplishing it, I can see how that would be uh, rather addicting. I'm sure like after a week, you're... You know, you've forgotten all that, and you're like ready to go again. <laughs> Forgot the pain, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's kind of like about having a, week a baby, or two. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, my my wife has actually been been the most amazing person because every year, like I say, I'm like oh, I'm so over this, and and you know, a couple weeks later, she's like, well, "You ready again?" I said, "Yeah, I'm getting there." <laughs> you, you talked and me into it, honey. Props me back up, and here we go again. But oh, since well. we've uh, been partnered with Four Wheel Parts, um, the last probably five five years it's it's been amazing Foral parts has been this is the perfect team and and uh you know even though our finishing record isn't all that well that that it's it's more than that it's the experience and if you're if you're going there strictly for the just to win and not for the whole experience and me personally i think you're there for the wrong reasons yeah right 
Yeah, uh, Josh has had a uh, one of my co-hosts has had a, a relationship with Four Wheel Parts in the past, and uh, he has had nothing but great things to say about them. And I'm I'm glad they're uh, uh, helping support your uh, your habit there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of uh, your habit, is there uh, you got any social media that uh, you know how these kids are these days? They like to get on that social media, see what's going on, especially the Instagram. You got anything on Instagram? Where, where can people find you? Yeah, Instagram at the uh, Rob Bender Park um, or Bender, sorry, Bender Rob Park on Instagram and down on Facebook. Uh, same thing, Rob Bender Park. Um, there's some projects, some old cars. There's probably. 30 or 40 vehicles I've built over the last couple of decades um, on there, some art projects and some, just a glimpse inside the, to me, the, I'm not a, I'm not a TV guy. I'm a fabricator. I've been a fabricator and a welder my whole life, a race car builder. And, and uh, it's kind of funny when you, people go, wow, you, you really do build cars. I said, I didn't, I'm not a TV guy. Who plays a car builder? I'm a car builder. Who isn't plays that a TV isn't that funny? All the time and effort that you put into, and you've been in around uh, for people to see all the things you're accomplishing. And there's so many people that are getting to know you just simply from the TV show, and yeah. uh, they don't know they don't know the real you. So uh, that's great, and that's one of the great things about social media. Uh, let's uh, let's people uh, you know, dig a little deeper and get a little more information. And that's true for all the hosts, though. All the hosts had had something, they were bringing something to the table. Uh, you guys weren't cheerleaders. You weren't, uh, the reason why you were on there, I know, was to give the show uh, credibility because they, you, anybody can build a course and, and drive over it. Whether it's good or not, I don't know. But uh, they, they brought you guys on there to, to give the show credibility and go, hey, wow, these guys are on it. It's going to be something. So uh, at least that's my take on it. You don't have to agree with it. But um, so I think it's very, very important for you and, uh, uh, Pete to have been there and, and, uh, brought a lot of us in, into the, into the show, uh, you know, go, well, let's that. see, let's see what this is all about. And I'm really looking forward to season two starts next week, January 31st. And, uh, we, uh, we're going to look forward to it. And sadly, we're going to be watching, uh, watching Pete, uh, after his uh, passing, but, uh, it'll be nice actually being able to see him and see him up uh, moving around and don't forget somewhere in the background that you're not going to see he's given uh bender shit <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of it yeah and it's good exactly. and it's reciprocating so you can you, from, you know this now from this interview in the show and i uh, hope that adds a little bit to your your enjoyment of truck night uh bender thanks a lot for being with us uh, i always call yeah, you rob you. i just uh, I, it's hard for me to get to the bender thing i'm going to try to work on that but bender thanks a lot for being with us on the short notice and with in this very sad uh circumstance but yet a happy circumstance because of the uh, the new season for truck night absolutely thank you very much Now, extra special thanks to Rob Bender Park for taking the time to talk about working with Pete Soren. That must have been amazing. And coaching Truck Night in America, new season on the History Channel, returning January 31st. Rob, really can't thank you enough, buddy. Hope to have you on again soon. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Well, or maybe you work in the off-road industry. Maybe you know somebody who does. Honestly, we're looking for just about anybody who has a Jeep story to tell. Uh, maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Let's hear your Jeep story. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It very well could be you. And you know, Josh, uh, somebody took us up on that uh, going over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and filling out our form about wanting to be a guest. 
So next week, Adam Jones, he's a Jeep owner and a UPS employee. Everybody loves the UPS guy, you know? Oh, this They're, guy, yeah, you know, he's a lot of people's favorite, I'm sure. <laughs> he's, he's, we're going to get some UPS secrets. And uh, we always say, everybody has a story. So if you were thinking, uh, hey, I'm not Pete Soren, I'm not Rob Bender Parks, I don't work at Best, uh, Best Top, uh, I, I shouldn't be on this show. No, that's not the case at all. We're no big deal here. Josh, Josh is sometimes, but we're not a big deal here. Everybody has a story. We'd love to have you on. Just go over there, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and fill out the information and we'll contact you about being on the show. A lot of fun. Well, from the wilds of Alaska to the searing heat of the Australian outback, what are you going to find in the back of a discerning overlanding vehicle? Well, an LT Wright Knives Overland Machete, of course. These are handmade from 1075 high carbon steel and your choice of either black or natural micarta. Need something that will stand out in the woods? Opt for the orange G10. It will not blend in with your surroundings. Trust us, wherever you wander. LT Wright Knives is a small company with a family feel located in Wintersville, Ohio. They have a passion for what they do as well. LT Wright Knives creates knives for bushcraft, everyday carry, hunting, cooking, and overlanding, so you've got a lot of options. Each knife is thoughtfully designed, built, and thoroughly tested before it heads out the door. Although they look good enough for the display cabinet, well, these, lives, these knives like to work. Put the knife through its paces and you know that you're backed by a lifetime guarantee. So carve, slice, and chop to your heart's content. Carry your preferred LT Wright Knives model with pride. You're helping to support an all-American company that will stand behind their product with a lifetime guarantee and the satisfaction of a job well done. These heirloom quality pieces will outlast your adventure, so plan well, drive safely, and carry an LTWK. Find out more online at ltwrightknives.com. That's LT, right with a W, knives.com. I mean, how cool would it be to have a, uh, a handmade knife? I mean, that would be so cool. Uh, I, I have to not go over there and look. They have so many cool knives over there. That machine. I, I, I made the mistake of, of checking out um, their everyday carry selection uh, while I was at work. And I ended up spending <laughs> about 10 minutes on the website. <laughs> I hope my boss isn't listening. So, yeah, it was really it attractive was stuff time. over there. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, I was clocked out. That's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, the, no, you're right, Tony. My my biggest thing is is look. I mean, I go through about three pairs of sunglasses a year. I can't oh, have no. nice things because I end up sitting on them, breaking them, or losing them. And so, when it comes to things like you know knives or you know stuff that goes in the pocket or you know around your neck or on top of your head, I, they end up getting lost or something. I've been very hesitant about biting the bullet and and getting myself something like an LT right knife. Uh, strictly for the reason that I can't trust myself. So <laughs> well, maybe, if you're unlike me, then definitely go check them out. But if you are like me, well, you might want to give them a call and see uh, see what sort of fluorescent options they have for you. Maybe uh, maybe that's what you need to do is get a display case and just mount it on the yeah, wall right. of your house. <laughs> that's where <laughs> well, it stays. Usually I what I at. do is I usually have it in my purse and I go through the airport security and oh, get it geez. confiscated. No, I'm going home. Uh, you're not taking my knife. I not my, not my, not like my LTWK no. knife, no. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just want to give a quick comment about the automatic versus stick when wheeling. Now, Gretchen called in and gave uh, her opinion, and I just wanted to say I've wheeled with Gretchen. 
and I've seen her go down some easy trails, and I've seen her go down some pretty tough trails, and uh, she's made it up a hill that I couldn't get up. And so uh, she speaks from experience. When, you know, Gretchen wheels, and how she wheels works great for her. Uh, stick shift for me wouldn't work, because I've got such crappy knees, I could either drive a stick shift to the trail, or I could drive it on the trail, but I don't think I could do both. So automatic is, is the way for me to go. In my opinion, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Stick or automatic. You, you wheel what you got and be happy with it. There's one thing growing up in the 80s that taught me. Is that by now, me and my friends should have found a treasure map. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. So there's something, <laughs> there's something that you may not know about Nikki G. Uh, he works as part of the ground crew at a, a local airport, uh, you know, uh, major airport. And um, for the first six months that he worked there many years ago, he was pushing the planes around manually before he found out they had those little tractors they could hook <coughs> up to the, the, the Boeing 737s and move them around. So, you know, hats off to him for actually being able to move those, uh, those uh, planes around, but it did take a toll on the knees. Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out! It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Now, what is it, and why do I want it? Tony and Josh, I'm really sad to say that I am running out of products to review that I own or have used. Oh, okay. Because I've reviewed them all, but there are so many more products I would love for my Jeep, like this one here, and I'm hoping... One of you out there has put this on your Jeep, but it's the third brake light. And this is for the Wranglers, and it's for your spare tire. It's the third brake light in the wheel of the spare tire. And I haven't heard of many people who have had this on their Jeep, or I haven't heard many opinions. So I was really looking for your opinion. Now, I found one on Amazon. And we'll have the link in the show notes. But it's a spare tire brake light for the third brake light that you have to have. And it's for your Jeep Wrangler. And it's red, of course. And it's a 13.8 inch diameter black durable polypropylene mounting plate. And it's going to be used on your spare tire on the rear tailgate of your Wrangler. Now, it's a clear and immediate braking warning signal. And it lights up the inside of your spare tire when you step on the brake. And it has more red brightness and stronger penetration, so it's easier to see. So for safety reasons, this would be a good thing. I just think it's really cool looking on the back of your Jeep. So um, that's kind of why I would want to get it. And it's easy installation, supposedly. I Like I said, I haven't purchased this yet, but I'm looking into possibly. And you would splice the wires into the existing brake light wires. And you just connect two wire lights right into the existing Jeep tire light wire, if that makes sense. I'd have to see it to understand it, but that's what it says. Supposedly, that's supposed to be easy. Um, now, these lights fit the 2007 to 17, and I want to say maybe the 18 Wranglers, because some of the JKs were still made in 18, um, with 16 to 20-inch rim diameter wheels, and it works with the 5x5, 5x4.5, and the 5x5, 5.5-inch lug patterns. Um, they're LEDs, 
85 piece LEDs, waterproof rating of IP67, extended life expectancy of more than 30,000 hours. And just to clarify, the Wranglers are the YJ, TJ, JK, and JL. I'm not quite sure if this will fit in the JL, but I'm guessing it probably will because there's a lot of things that are pretty similar for the for both of them. Now, real quick, Tammy, I, I noticed that, uh, that these things, uh, you know, this one's marketed for the, the Wrangler specifically. It says, you know, it fits 2007 to 2017 Wranglers, but then it, it goes ahead and, and lists specific lug patterns, you know, 5x5, 5x4.5, 5x5.5, pretty much all of the popular Jeep lug patterns that Jeep has always made. If, if Looking at the design of this thing, it has large square holes in the lug pattern, you know, in that, in that five by lug pattern. And, and to me, it seems like just from an engineering standpoint, that this thing would work for just about any vehicle with a spare tire that is somewhere between 16 and 20 inches. Obviously you have a 15 inch rim, right. you're not going to be able to use it. If you have 22s on your Jeep, well, <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to want to use that either. Um, so, and from what I know about wiring and these kits in specific, I'm looking at, uh, specifically the, I mean, and these are sold all over the place, by the way. Um, but for instance, the one that looks identical to this, um, that is, uh, sold on summitracing.com, they give a nice close up of the end wires and there's, there's nothing that is proprietary plugs on these. So, um, even though it might be marketed specifically for a Jeep Wrangler, the wiring is universal and, and because of the difference in lug patterns that these will accept, um, this can go on a variety of Jeeps, I believe. So I'm looking here at the other related items. You can get them for your wheels that are on your vehicle. You need to do that before you go wheeling because uh, that will give you some uh, trail cred. Totally <laughs> would take like spinning purple wheels, right? <laughs> um, do you have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And let us know if you have one of these third brake lights and how you like it. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown, around the nation, in Wheeling Wear. Holy shit, I thought a UFO had landed over here, but it's Tammy and her purple lights. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always on Craigslist. I'm, I'm always searching for, for you know, those those buys that you just can't pass up. They're out there every so often and you got to, you know, you got to be Johnny on the spot if you want to pop onto them and, 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 you know, get a gas tank skid plate for $5 like I did one day. Ooh. I, I have the ad printed out. I will show you. <laughs> but uh, uh, seriously, though, I, I saw on Craigslist the other day a guy selling um, his, or he was parting it out or selling, I can't remember, but it was a Cherokee that, that he had a fair amount of money into. And and he had the uh, the rock lights that do the strobe and the and the the color change and the whole kit and caboodle and I was like, man, this thing is a trailer queen. I mean, he he had. I mean, it was so pristine it wasn't even funny. I don't think that this thing had ever seen any trail whatsoever. But uh, when Tammy, you said you know uh, the, the they have him for the wheels, and then Tony said right. UFO. I was like, oh, <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. You know, that reminds me, you're talking about finding those great things on uh, Craigslist. I, I went and bought a set of wheels, uh, factory, uh, you know, the nice ones. I forget what they're called. Not the Econs. Um, Not the Eco 5s, but uh, yeah. probably um, the, uh, oh, now I'm brain farting on it. I it's just like had it on the tip Monterey of my tongue. or it's some sort no, of. No, not the Moabs. Yeah, uh, like something like oh, that. Oh, okay. 
No, but the I mean, ravine. it wasn't. Ravines. There we those go. are the ones. Yeah. Those are the ones that uh, everybody goes for on the XJs. Yeah, those things are great looking. I had a set of those even. Got a hundred bucks, a complete set of oh, five. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And the guy had one of those, uh, uh, what's the Warrior? I think it's Warrior that has the Safari rack that yeah. went in the back of the, the Cherokee. And he goes, hey, I got the Safari rack, which I had been looking at for a long time and thought that'd be really nice to have. But $225 or whatever it was years ago, no way. And he goes, I got this Safari rack, uh, 75 bucks. Hell yeah. You're right. <laughs> uh, um, 75% off? I'll take it. You and, know? Oh, well, even more than that. So I got that Safari rack and it's still in my XJ. A guy literally walked up before I even had the opportunity to pick it up and carry it off that specifically had come for that Safari rack. And he oh. was like, Oh man! This is, yeah, I said I know two hundred yeah. twenty-five bucks. Ain't that, a, and, ain't that something? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as you lose, early bird gets the worm, and all that. One of the few times I was actually there and stayed long enough. Well, I missed out on one of those deals uh, way, way back in the day, and I'm kind of uh, kicking myself in the shorts for for not picking up on it because it would actually have come in very handy today um, uh, because of what happened over the last week with my own Jeep. Uh, as you guys uh, heard me uh, talk about last week, uh, my transmission mount um, was was not the right one. I had, I had ordered one. I had things completely torn apart. I didn't have the factory one to compare against. I just assumed that the one that they sent me was the correct one, and I installed it. And uh, there being two versions of the transmission mount for the 4-liter drivetrain, um, it, uh, it, it went in. But it, 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 it gave me some issues, some problems. And I've been fighting these problems... For years and years and years. And it makes me think that, well, there's a chance that perhaps this Jeep for the longest time did not ever have the correct transmission mount in it. So I'm thinking that that possibly the previous owner, which had done some transmission work to the Jeep um, the year that I had bought it from them, uh, or the year prior that I had bought it from them, um, one of the reasons why I bought the Jeep. Um, but um, there's a chance that they had the 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 mount replaced then and they put in the wrong one. So, um, and I just, you know, buy whatever I'm buying and put in whatever I'm putting in. And well, now I'm dealing with some issues of it. Well, th the biggest issue for it, um, was I, I, I keep losing my four wheel drive. Um, the bracket bottoms out on, uh, the, the linkage bottoms out on the mounting bracket and it won't allow you to fully engage four wheel drive. Um, without getting underneath and readjusting the linkage or slamming it in there harder than it should. Um, just to make it, just to get it to fit basically. Um, so it's one of these things I've been battling for a while and I'm finally figuring out why this, you know, why this is happening and why this is going on. Finally got the proper transmission mount, got that. I, I put that in last weekend, um, by myself had to, had to fight it, trying to get, trying to jack the, uh, the drivetrain up after getting the cross member off and then shifting it over in position to get the transmission mount on because the, the two different mounts, one of them is offset and one of them isn't. And, uh, and the one that isn't offset actually moves the transmission and the whole drivetrain over to the driver's side more than it should. The offset one actually centers the transmission where it should be in the, in the transmission tunnel um, and thus the, the rest of the drivetrain. Uh, and that's what was going on with, with, my, with, uh, with my whole system there. So... Uh, redoing the linkage and stuff, uh, this last weekend, getting it adjusted, getting that new mount in and everything. Well, I'm jacking the drivetrain all over the place. And in, in getting that, 
the other thing is, oh yeah, the the other thing the the the, uh, the non-offset mount is also a little bit taller. So I had to put a little more Z lift, if you will, a little more. Um, I had to jack up the drivetrain a little more to get that transmission mount in there and still get the cross member to bolt up. Um, and in doing that and jacking everything up, I decreased the already very very small amount of clearance that I had between my between the electric fan. Um, I've done electric fan modification, uh, gotten rid of the mechanical fan and gone with electric. Um, but that electric fan ended up getting pushed into my radiator. Um, it, it, going for a couple of test drives, I test drive. Okay. Uh, four wheel drive. Okay. I got that. All right. Now I can't get into two wheel drive. Okay. More adjustment back out for a test drive. Okay. Now I've got two wheel drive and I've got four wheel drive. Oh crap. Now the linkage unadjusted itself and I can't come out of four wheel drive. So limping it back into the, into the garage, finally get things adjusted, go out for another one. Everything's working fine. Wait a minute. What's all this steam? Pull it into the garage and there's a stream of water coming from the front of the Jeep. Well, yeah. in all that moving around during the test drive and, and, you know, going through all the transfer case gears on dry cement, you know, I'm moving that engine and drivetrain around quite a bit, even with polyurethane mounts. And it was just enough that I had already decreased the clearance between the fan and the radiator that I pushed my electric fan through my radiator. My brand spanking new radiator that I've got less than 500 miles on is now having to be replaced. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. I am just thrilled about it too, let me tell you. As a proper man, damn it, don't screw around, make it fit. And you did. Good job. Well, yeah. <laughs> I probably should have spit on it a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> That's that that's image that I sent you guys the other day. <laughs> so uh, what I'm looking at now, so the electric fan conversion that I did is something that nobody else has done to my knowledge. I pulled a uh, electric fan out of a V6 Saturn View, uh, and it's a monster of a fan, and it moves just an absolute impacted ass full of air, and it keeps my Jeep nice and cool. The problem is it's a big, fat bastard. And it's um, likely not going to fit now without me doing some serious modifications. <laughs> and by that, I mean, if any of you have ever researched what it's going to take to put a Taurus fan into a four liter drivetrain, um, well, you understand the level of modifications that are going to have to be made in order to make this fan work the way that it was before. I'm not sure if I want to go down that road. Um, so my other option is aftermarket. And really about the only aftermarket solution that I found that I know that I could trust is going to be the triple fan setup from Dirtbound Off-Road. So uh, I, I put in a request uh, to Dirtbound Off-Road um, last week. I was, was it Saturday or Sunday that, uh, that I emailed them. I have not gotten any word back yet, so I'm going to call them on Monday. Um, thanks, guys, for ignoring the emails. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, yeah, and see what uh, see what sort of solutions they have now. I, I noticed on their website they don't offer the triple fan setup with the fans anymore. Uh, it used to be something that they did offer as a complete kit, but not anymore. Uh, now they offer just the shroud, and you can source your own fans. So I need to get some model numbers, some uh, you know su uh, suggested fans and, and and stuff like that from them, uh, so I can get pointed in the right direction. That is likely the route I'm going to go if I can't pull some magic out of my ass this weekend and figure out a way to get that Saturn View fan uh, into the Cherokee with uh, the decreased amount of clearance that I now have. So I don't know if this is the reason why they did it or not, but I bought one of those uh, fan kits long ago, 
and uh, I tried it and it didn't work. And uh, I mean, beautifully made, but the 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 electric fans didn't move enough air. Um, they did not uh, move as much air as the mechanical fan and the electric fan uh, that uh, Jeep put in there. Um, I, uh, I actually uh, gave up on that, and uh, my friend Matt over in Conroe took it and uh, tried to make use of it, and uh, it was the same issue for him. Did not move enough air. So I suspect they don't carry the fans anymore because um, the fans didn't move enough air. Uh, it, it depends on the climate that you're in. If your air temps don't get uh, really high and the humidity is really high, then I think that uh, it, it works uh, to a fashion. But uh, not something I'd want to risk overheating my uh, my Jeep with. Yeah, I'm uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a little weary. Um, the aftermarket solution is is not always the best way to go, um, especially when it comes to to stuff like this. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of aftermarket support in this field for this vehicle, so uh, a lot of it comes back down to fabrication. So um, yeah, I, I, something about you know readjusting and, and, and fabricating, moving, modifying my motor mounts is not exactly something I want to do to shift the entire drivetrain back a quarter inch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, it's just not, not in the cards. Uh, neither is extending the header panel and, and moving that radiator forward, uh, you know, quarter inch or half inch or something. One option that I've, that I'm looking at right now, and, and I was out there playing with the, the broken radiator and the, and the core support, the, the header panel and everything and there's a chance that I might be able to tilt the top of the radiator forward slightly. And oh, I'm yeah. talking about a quarter inch to, to a half inch, three-eighths of an inch tops. Whether or not I can do that without severely modifying the core support or uh, damage or you know, uh, interfering with the filler neck or anything else, then that's the route I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if I can't make that work, then I, yeah, it's likely going to be aftermarket. I like that idea because I think uh, in one of the many radiators that I put in my my Jeep trying to fix the uh, running hot on the highway issue, uh, one of them was the all-aluminum three-row, and uh, they were notorious for having the filler neck too close uh, to the radiator. Oh. So I had to notch the header panel or whatever that, that mm-hmm. piece of metal that holds helps hold the radiator in. I had to notch notch it around the the filler hole so I could actually yeah. get, get the the cap on and off, and it's it's not a big deal. Uh, it, I mean, it's there. I got extra room. Uh, mm-hmm. Great place to cut your finger, you know, if you need. Oh sure, you betcha. You need to <laughs> if you need an, ex, that, an excuse when the the cop pulls you over. I just don't know. That how all you, sounds too complicated. I for just me. don't know how you actually get to it to cut your finger to you know and sue them. But anyway, uh, I, I like that idea because I think if you're just talking about a quarter inch or a half inch. I think you could do that pretty easily. Well, we'll find out uh, after this week. I'll uh, let you guys know what I came up with and uh, which direction I went next week. You're going to need that second battery to run the fans. I I think you'll be able to find fans that you need, but you're going to need that second battery to run them. (laughs) Lad, it's you and not me. Couldn't you get computer fans? No, no. Oh, no. You got a 64. Whole lot of them. Yeah, I got, you know, 30 <laughs> of them all across the radiator there. That that might work. And, and stick a bank of them on the outside just to, to impress people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A couple on the hood, you know, yeah. a couple across the windshield. <laughs> so my headlight went out again, that same freaking <gasps> headlight. Really? I know. Shocking. So I took Tony's advice. He said, maybe you have the left headlight in the right spot and the right headlight in the left spot. Mm-hmm. You have to actually, look. Sometimes they're marked left and right. Yeah. So I, I actually I put that on Facebook and people are like, I didn't know that. 
<laughs> I'm like, ha ha, I got you. Anyway, I did reverse them. Well, okay, so first of all, the headlights out. I banged it. It didn't come back on. So then I took the grill off, pulled the bezel off, the headlight, you know, you know, plopped down, and it came back on. Yeah. So I said, you know, I know I flip-flopped them once before. Maybe I got them screwed up and I didn't. So I flip-flopped them again just to see. Maybe it's the headlight, but I really don't think it is. So they're both working now, but the one that was on the driver's side is now on the passenger side and vice versa. And I even labeled them. And so I posted it on Facebook and somebody suggested, and people are still insisting it's the connection. It's jiggling loose. Somebody yeah. suggested I put RTV inside mm. no. the plug. Here's what you do, Tammy. You get you a soldering iron. And you <laughs> and, and hardwire And you wire it directly to the headlight. And it's That's not that what, big a deal. The headlight goes out. You, you clip the wire. I mean, leave enough extend, enough right. wire there. You clip the wire and you throw away the headlight with a little stub thing on there and solder it back on again. I guarantee you that connection is not going to be a bad connection. It will never blink right. on you. It may blink further up the, the chain, but it's not going to blink right. where it's connected. <laughs> and that's and that's what a few people have posted, that they just hardwired them. Yeah. So Put those other I headlights do, in while you're at it. I mean, you know, you've right. got some new ones to go in there. Yeah, so. I have the, I think they're the Rogue. They're just sitting right over there. I no, want to get up no, and get them, no, but I'm no. not going you to. You have to do all these things um, before showtime. I know. You know how it works. I don't want to so, punish you, but I will. <laughs> I, I'm just determined to figure out what the issue is. And yeah, I'm I don't blame you. Determined to have more headlight issue shows than Tony has heat shows. <laughs> so, you know, uh, right. I, I, I like this, Tammy. And I was thinking that anybody out there in the audience, if you live close to Tammy, there's a bright, shiny new Jeep talk show sticker in it for you. If you'll find Tammy's Jeep, scrape off that Rubicon emblem on a hood and replace it with Winky. Yeah, go ahead and try that. <laughs> uh, it needs to yeah. be in the same Rubicon font, though, and let's right. see how long it takes her to notice. <laughs> oh, I would notice because I'm always taking pictures of my little Rubicon sticker because it makes me happy. Um, and then I know I mentioned last week about the Onion Challenge update. Um, I'm getting closer to the bearded jeeper. Some people are saying they're not going to follow me. Because they want the bearded jeeper to win, and they want me to eat the on- to bite yes. into the onion. Yes, that's uh-huh. exactly the direction I'd go. That's because that's yeah. the fun thing. So when I started, I was about when we both started this race, I was about sixty subscribers behind him. Now I'm at two thousand nine hundred and thirty-seven, and he's at two thousand nine hundred and forty-two. So I am Josh. Your math skills. <laughs> He's got his calculator out. I know. I was told uh, there'd be no math. Uh-huh. Josh, so you can buy I'm a watch that has a calculator built right into it. Five Not since 87, but all right. behind him. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So yep, yep. You if know, you I, haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, people, please go subscribe. I was surprised when, when I, you agreed to this because I think the majority of people would want to see you eat the onion. Oh, and that's what that's what everyone's saying. Even Nikki G says he might unfriend or somebody. I don't actually. Nikki G said he wants to see me eat the onion, but somebody said they want to unsubscribe to me. So, <laughs> so I would. Eat it's the great onion. to have friends. <laughs> but the thing is, folks, I 
I like onions, so it's really no big deal. Now, the bearded jeeper does not like onions. So, onions but I've never bitten into a whole onion. I, I have not either. Uh, I don't know that I could actually handle that. How about if I win, Tony has to bite into one too. <laughs> I have a, a bank of sound effects here, so sure. Yeah. All right, so I'd like to remind you guys, we keep forgetting to do this, and it's such a great deal. We have uh, two subscriptions a month that we can give away to the fantastic Jeep Action Magazine, and what a beautiful, informative Jeep magazine it is. If you want a a subscription, an annual subscription to uh, Jeep Action Magazine, go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And send us a message if you want your very own one-year subscription to Jeep Action Magazine. And you know, if you scroll in the back there, you may even see a Jeep Talk Show uh, ad in there, which is kind of cool. We only have two a month to give away, so I'm not going to tell you how you win. You just uh, uh, send us a message and uh, we'll, we'll pick it's a It's that pick simple. A we'll, we'll I mean, pick, you, we'll can, pick a you can almost do it on the device that you're listening to this show right As now As you listen, yeah. Wait, join in on the campfireside chat. We want to have you here with us. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods and let us know about an event that you have planned or have coming up or that you're organizing. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling where form and uh, well, that information will come straight to us and we'll get it straight onto the air. Coming up March 20th, we have the Spring Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive happening in Lapham Peak, Delafield, Wisconsin. I'm probably butchering Holy all of that. Oh, uh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. What she said. Uh, that looks like a really cool event, and uh, looks like I've been doing it for a while. Uh, we'll have information on that on the website. Uh, February 16th, a little bit before that, we have the Badlands Off-Road Adventures uh, doing their starting rock crawling classes. If you're, uh, well, used to trail riding and you want to get into something a little more extreme, this is how you do it. February 16th, February 16th in Lucerne Valley, California. For more information on these events and more events altogether and links to all the information you need, visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. That's it for the show this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to help us out in our quest for global domination and simply tell a friend about the show of course and as always thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded jeep podcast vaya con dios pedro la pistola i'm guessing since 2010 well hey thanks for having me on the show and uh if you ever need me again let me know hopefully it'll be at a different time where i'm not (laughs) away from the beach (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you back on. Thanks again.